Welcome to Design Your Life in Business, the podcast for leaders by Bright Mind Consulting Group. We give you the necessary tools to help you become the architect of not just your business, but your life too. I'm your host, Javon Wooden. All right, what's going on, Ray? How are you? Good afternoon, and thank you for inviting me to the pod. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for coming on. I know you're going to add tremendous value. You do amazing things, amazing work. So, But before we get into the business side, the entrepreneurial side, I want to know you personally. Who is Ray Sheehan? Yeah, so I come from the special event space. So growing up, even way back in my old high school days, I was just always the guy who kind of would bring people together and throw that party, so to speak. I can remember my guidance counselor going, Ray, college isn't for everyone. So, <laughs> oh, man. It, it, was a little it was a little touch and go for me in the, in the beginning stages of, of my life. But thankfully, Temple University launched the School of Tourism and Hospitality mm-hmm. Management. And I, I found like a little, little niche. This is probably could have been the only thing I would have been ever ever really successful at. But that's me. I, I grew up in the the special event space and turned it into a career. Awesome, man. I, I'm be honest, you got that energy, man. I think you would have been successful at a lot of things, whatever you put your energy towards, because I can feel it coming off the microphone. I appreciate that. Hey, no problem, man. So you mentioned you're in the event space. Your company's called Old City Media. How did that come about? Yeah, so Old City Media, we're essentially an experiential agency. But prior to that, I was partnering, and I'm still with the company, called UpcomingEvents.com. So for the past 20 years, we would go out and produce world-class festivals. What I mean by that for for you and for your audience, Major League Baseball team, Mm -hmm. they go on the road for a week or two weeks. Our team would come in and produce a beer festival. We would produce these massive taco festivals and pizza vessels, very lifestyle-driven types of events. In parallel to that, just so the brands could clearly understand who we are, what we would do, upcoming events, all about events, old city media, that was more of us acting as an agency, how we could help the brands grow their brand from an experiential standpoint. So for me, it was a little bit of church and state. So I'm having a conversation with the brand. The brand could clearly understand, okay, Ray's representing upcomingevents.com. I understand that. These are events. The consumer, customers, they understand that. They go to upcomingevents.com to kind of plan their social calendar. Me as a brand manager, I understand Old City Media because they're an experiential agency. Gotcha. And experiential agency, can you describe that for the listeners? Yeah, the experiential agency would be so. And a lot of the listeners out there probably have seen this and maybe didn't even really know what that was really called. So essentially, a brand has a budget. And we see it all the time mm-hmm. when you're watching TV or listening on a radio or driving in your car and seeing a billboard, all the kind of like what we call above the line media. Then brands have a separate budget which is their experiential budget. And this is a budget where they go out and they want to engage the consumer. They want to have a conversation with their potential end user. So what they'll do is they'll put this budget together and then they'll do kind of like a tour or a roadshow or pop-up events, whatever the case may be. And now Geico or T-Mobile or a home improvement brand can physically get out into the market and be like, hey, we're Nabisco. We have these amazing 
crackers or we're Nike. We have these amazing sneakers, whatever the case may be, whatever the brand is. Most of these brands have an experiential budget and we help plan their budget and make sure they're spending gotcha. their budget properly. So we help them out from, from an experiential standpoint. Gotcha. Okay. Thanks for that clarification. How did you even get into this? I know you gave the temple and all that stuff, but how did you get into the events industry? Yeah, so again, back to my days of just putting together events. And at the time they were just parties. And I remember talking into, his name's Jeffrey Montague. I remember talking to him. I was like, hey, listen, I, I really love to throw parties. And my, <laughs> the, the academic advisor was like, Ray, you need to really figure out how to turn that into a career. And, and that's what I did. I you know, went to school to kind of really understand the business side of just besides throwing a party in a bar, restaurant, nightclub, or lounge, right? But that's where it really started. That's where I really cut my teeth of doing events that were in that sort of environment. And when we launched our business, this was prior to MySpace or Friendster. The social media, the whole digital thing was just starting to happen when I launched the business. So it was, it was perfect timing. And what we did was we created a social network of consumers that love going out. You know, I'm not sure if you've told your viewers this, but I'm from Philadelphia. So we created phillytonight.com. And it essentially was an area for people to come together and plan their social calendars. And what happened was, as we started to grow the platform, we started to grow the business, certain brands, primarily beer, wine, and liquor, started to look at what we were doing. And at that time, a lot of the budgets were switching where a lot of the brands were like, hey, we traditionally have spent our money print, radio, TV. That's mm-hmm. really how they were spending their money. Again, this is 30 some years ago. And a lot of these bar owners and restaurant owners and people that we were working with were telling the brands the success that we were having. So how it really started and where we really kind of took the business to the next level is when a lot of the beer, wine, and liquor vendors started investing in us. And they were trying to understand digital marketing. They were trying to understand uh. email marketing. So they were investing in us. We would continue to invest in the platform, our events and programs, and then they became festivals. And it really kind of grew organically but it really grew during that time of when the whole social networking thing was kind of happening and brands were starting to pour money into our platform. And then I took it one step further and took it into, it's like, hey, how can we help you from a brand perspective, not only online, but offline. And the offline was the experiential stuff of saying, hey, there's different types of touch points. Yeah, you want to engage the consumer online, and we see this all the time in social, but imagine if you're able to touch that consumer online and then offline. And then it was like, okay, well, now I need to create a business or a model based off of that experiential part of the business. So that's where it really started. It started with events. It started in a club with DJs, and then it blossomed into like these major festivals and events. Man, I have I have so many questions, right? <laughs> it's like, God dang. So so <laughs> one of the questions is like, I know you said, you know, they came to you, but before we even get to how you got these brands on board, how did you find your clients without social media, without the whole digital presence at that time? So by nature in sales. And not not like your typical sales of just like, hey, let me just try to sell you something. But just Mm -hmm. the DNA in me is really to go out and hunt 
and find things and have conversations. And anyone out there listening to this, to the pod, to me, you have to really try to make your success. And sometimes you just need to get out there and grab it and and ask a lot of questions. And so for me, when I looked at sales, it was, what is the problem? And for me, that's, I'm kind of wired of like, I always try to get into solution-based thinking. And if you can create a solution for someone, you're in a really good position to close a deal or to make a sale because you're solving their problems. So for me, 30 years ago, 21, 22 years old, bars and restaurants, their problem was, how can I drive traffic into my bar or restaurant? That's how I make money. The more people that come in here, the more ways I'm going to be able to make money, monetize my property. So for me, I wanted to go out and have conversations with bars, restaurant owners, hotels, whatever the case may be, and tell them a little bit about who I was as this promoter, as this mm-hmm. marker. In parallel to that, I'm engaging consumers, engaging people, young active adults, boy meets girl, bringing them together, throwing them this amazing experience, this great party with DJs and entertainment. So for me, I could then go to that business owner, like I have an audience. I have a database of people that are looking for this really cool shit that we're producing. Let us bring that to your property. And then what happened was organically, the brands, they're trying to sell more beer. I'm Bud Light, I'm Absolute Vodka or Tito's. Their main objective is how can I sell more brand? How can I get the brand into the hand of the consumer? The bars and restaurants, they're the conduit. They sell your products. So the brands were going to them and say, hey, how can we break bread with you? How can we do more work with you? Like, wow, well, this guy, Ray, he has this audience and this email list. Imagine if we all teamed up and we wind up doing an event here. And that's really how it started. So to answer your question, I literally went out there and hunted and kind of went out and really kind of paved the way for my success. I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back, but I'm just saying in a way where I went out there and kind of grabbed it, so to speak. But Absolutely. People asked a lot of questions, really try to understand what their challenges were develop programming and solutions around that. And that's how it happened. Thanks for sharing that because I feel like this is relevant till today because so many business owners just want to sit behind this computer and they want things to come inbound to them. They don't really want to get out there. They don't want to talk to anyone. So I think that's, especially now, like with the economy kind of being a little off, like we got to get out there and get it sometimes. You got to outbound, you got to call people, you got to, you know, email, do whatever you can sometimes to make sure that that pipeline is still flowing with, with business. So I'm glad you shared that. I'm glad you show some people may think that's the ugly side of business right getting out there and not being able to just run an ad and and generate six six figures seven figures right so i appreciate that that realness of the journey yeah i mean and sometimes that's to me it's test measure test measure whatever you're doing to kind of get that that lead into the funnel and that might be the strategy and the solution for me, it was a different time back then. You know, the, the, the internet wasn't nearly as sophisticated, right, as it is you know, today. So <laughs> right. it was a little like the wild, wild west. But you're right. That still holds true today. And you can have Absolutely. a great, you know, digital marketing plan, and you really can. But there's something to be said of literally going out and breaking bread and going out and having a conversation and meeting with people and whether you're you're hitting them up on LinkedIn or you're emailing them or you're literally picking up the phone and just calling them and setting up a meeting and having a conversation with them and really figuring out, okay, what are the synergies here and how can we potentially work together and how can I provide some additional value or solutions to the challenges that you're having? That really goes a long way. And to me, that's really 
paramount of fostering a relationship. You know, most right. people want to do business with people. They have a little bit of a relationship. So for me, relationship and fostering relationship has kind of been the backbone of, of the success that we've had. Absolutely. And then, you know, when it comes to that relationship, how did you find the proper people to establish the relationship with to expedite your success? Yeah, I guess a great question. So for me, you know, I looked at people that maybe I looked up to, right? So you, you inspire to be, right? So there's certain people out there that you look at like, wow, those people are inspired to be like what they're doing, or I respect what, what, what they're doing. Those are people mm-hmm. that I, I want to engage with. Ultimately, these are people that I just quite frankly want to work with. So those are people that I would want to, you know, it's like, you know, I have a wife and two kids. And, you know, to me, it's like you put a lot of time in the work. It's, it consumes your life. So for sure. me, be passionate about what you're doing. And if you're not passionate about what you're doing, anyone watching this video, if you're not really passionate about what you're doing, it makes work. It makes then it's work. So for me, it's like right. I just love who I'm working with. So for me, I looked and kind of researched a people that I actually wanted to work with where there was clearly some kind of brand alignment, so to speak. We had maybe the same values or the same mission, or I knew that I could potentially help them. So those were certain things that I would look out for when, okay. when I was kind of like doing a little of my research and development. No, absolutely. I think it's important for the audience to know like what to look for before they just go reach out to everyone. And then there's another part. When you reach out, what are you saying? <laughs> like, how are you establishing these partnerships? Yeah, I guess each industry, each conversation is, is probably slightly different. Mm-hmm. So for me, typically when I'm just tapping somebody on the shoulder, I try to keep it very brief. You know, a lot of times when you're reaching out to people, A, people just have the attention span the size of a gnat, right? People are really busy. They're running really hard. So for me, it's like I try to keep my communication very clear and concise. They might be reading this message on a a phone. So this long, drawn out email, all this long. So I, I try to keep my messaging extremely brief in the initial phase of like, hey, here's how I could potentially help you. Or here's an idea. Or here's a strategy. Like people love ideas. Here's something I think could help your business. Here are certain things that I think I can provide some additional value to enhance whatever it is that you're doing. So for me, I love to provide insight. I love to provide value. I love to kind of, I hate to say dangle the carrot in front of somebody, but I like to like throw things at them that might be like, wow, I've kind of piqued their interest. Gave them a little taste of something that is going to make them want to respond back like, Ray, what did you have in mind? And then the conversation can kind of evolve from there. You can really start to peel back the onion. So, but to answer your question, that's typically how I reach out to people, potential clients or potential customers. I try to reach out with just a little taste of something. And usually what I try to do is I try to provide an idea or some insight, something where I'm providing value before they even know me. No, I love that. It's like, you know, if you come with value, that showed one, you probably did some research on what could be valuable to them. Right. And you're not just like, hey, let me work with you. They don't know you from a can of paint. So why would they just be like, yeah, sure. You know, so your close rate, at least getting on the phone with them is probably higher than most. Right. When it comes to that. And then the open email saying, hey, here's the subject line. How about this? You know, here's an idea to grow your business, whatever. I think I love that. I'm going to implement that myself. So thanks for that tip. (laughs) Yeah, because you think about it. Business owners, they're literally they'll get 50 phone calls and 50 emails a day. Mm-hmm. of stuff that they don't need, but someone's exactly. telling them that this is what you need to run your business, right? So they're getting peppered with so much information. So for me, I'm not trying to sell you anything. 
but I do have an idea. I do have some insight. I wanted to share this with you because I think this could help your business. And right. to me, if you're already providing value, to me, that's a really good olive branch to put out there. For sure. And then, you know, it gives them a chance to see what you're working with. You know, it's like, okay, if that's valuable, you're giving this for free. You know, let me see what this guy is about. Or let me see what this company is about. And Javon, and you, and you nailed it. It actually showed that you did some research. Mm-hmm. Like, think about how many blind emails you get a day from somebody. Hey, I can help you. It's like, yeah, you're trying to sell me something. But you actually went next level thinking. You really thought about how you're crafting this email. Again, very clear, very concise of what you can do. It just shows them like, hey, I read this article. I know a little bit about your business. Or I know a little bit about your the vertical you're in. So you nailed it. It just shows a little like, wow, this person actually took the time to do a little research. Put a little extra effort on the front end will help you dividends on the back end. Absolutely. That personalized marketing, you know, we see it from time and time and time again, the effectiveness of it. It's not just adding an email, you know, a name to an email or your outreach. It's, it's a lot more than that, right? Not generating some some script that you use a thousand times over and spraying and praying, right? So that's <laughs> that's key. <laughs> but, you know, it hasn't always been like this for you, right, Ray? Where everything's firing on all cylinders, like, you know, you're getting these partnerships, you're getting these brands. You face some adversity, right, throughout your career. So, I think you pivoted in 2020. Is that right? Yeah. So, and anyone watching this knows, right? We just, we're kind of coming out of the pandemic. I think we would all agree. But, you know, literally three years to the day when the world came to an end, like I've shared with you, I was in the business of large social gatherings. That was my job. That's how I made money, bring people together, sell tickets, sell sponsorship. That was the model. So when COVID landed on my lap, there was no more bringing people together. There were no more sponsorships. There, the, the events, as we knew it, just completely stopped throughout the whole summer of 2020, even into the fall. Obviously, some, some markets were different, you know, Florida, Texas, but, you know, everywhere else, you know, everything kind of just stopped. So, yes, letting your team go and having those tough conversations, that's not easy. But you have to pivot. You have to adapt. You have to, okay, this is what I've been dealt. And kind of like how I mentioned in the beginning, just how I'm programmed in my DNA, it's like, okay, let me get into solution-based thinking. They're postponing NCAA. They're postponing basketball. They're, po- they're This is going to be a problem. Like, this is going to be a serious problem, even in March and April when they're still trying to figure everything out. I had an idea that this is going to be a big problem, not only for my business, but for the brands that I work with. So right. being able to quickly identify, adapt, and then put together a plan to show your team, like, wow, there's some foresight here. There's some vision here. There's some positive things going on. Like, hey, our leader is going to help pull us out of this. Here's what I'm thinking. Here are the plans. And believe me, not all the plans work, but one plan definitely works really well. But so you're, you're exactly right. Like everyone else had, that had to deal with some hardships during COVID, we were able to at least adapt and pivot by helping the brands that we work with, which obviously we can get into if you'd like. Yeah, absolutely. Keep going, please. Okay, yeah. So as I mentioned, we're doing all these events, right? Large-scale events, 10, 15,000 people. All these brands are out there engaging with the consumer. No events happen. It's all done. It's all stopped. So what we decided was let's go to the brands and say, guys, the home show, the boat show, the RV show, the sporting events – the local town parade on Main Street, it's not happening. Just forget about it. You need to start thinking about America 2.0. Right. 
how you look at events, how you look at your experiential team right now, it's all going to be different. So let's acknowledge that. Now let's develop a plan and a strategy based off of the framework on how we're allowed to operate. And at the time, how we were allowed to operate, social distancing, and then places that were allowed to be open were deemed essential. Hardware stores, grocery stores. These were places that were selling essential items. So as they were shutting down bars and restaurants and gyms, you couldn't be in those locations. You could go to Walmart. You could go to your local hardware store. You could go to Target because those locations were selling essential items. So I told the brands, that's where we need to be. We need to fish where the fish are. We need to be socially responsible while we're there and social distance and the math and the whole thing. We need to kind of play within the rules, but this is where we need to go to engage the community. And that's what we did. And that's kind of tied into now, right? It's, I mean, I think that that type of foresight it needs to be implemented no matter what time frame we're in, because I'm seeing a lot of businesses, some of my clients, you know, they're just trying to go everywhere. And it's like you have to be focused and really keep your ear to the street, so to speak, and learn where people are moving, where your ideal clients are going to be. You know, so that's really apt for now. Like you can apply that same type of strategy to what everyone is doing currently with their marketing efforts because people are just spending money, just wasting marketing dollars, just throwing it out there and not even really thinking about what works for them. They're just saying, hey, I saw this other company do this, right? So I'm going to do it. And it really doesn't happen that way, right? Some of us, we may be able to use a, a Facebook ad, but if you don't have the right keywords, if you don't really have the right tags, it's not going to work. So it's similar to being out in the world, right? Some businesses, maybe a billboard on the expressway works, but maybe some of us, maybe a direct mail campaign will work better because we need to be more focused and targeted for B2B, right? So it's like, I love that thinking to be able to say, you know what, let's pivot a little bit. Let's look at what's going on now, not what we used to do, but what's going on now and how can we apply it? And really the other strategy I love that you did was you went to the brands and said, look, I can help you out. I learned this, you know, we learned a hard way. Let me show you how you can avoid going through what we just went through. And you applied that and you showed the value again. You're exactly right. Cause you really don't know. And like, you know, the one thing I say all the time, test, measure, test, measure, test, measure, make business decisions based off of real data. And you just don't know until you really physically get out there. It's like, are you really driving leads? Are you really driving your brand? Are you really capturing data, whether it's emails or phone numbers? Maybe you need to be at a movie theater because it's entertainment. Maybe you need to be at a grocery store or a hardware store or a sports venue. Whatever the case may be, now that the events are coming back, maybe that's a really good platform or really good area for a brand to be to go out, A, just to promote the brand. Or but maybe you're doing more than just promoting the brand. Maybe you're really out driving leads and getting that lead into your lead funnel. So you're exactly right. And that's to me, that's what this program provided. It opened up the eyes to a lot of brands like, wow, Ray, we had no idea the success that this would bring by actually getting out and putting our brand into the fabric of the community. We had no right. idea, you know, and it's like, take a brand like Ace Hardware. It's not Home Depot or Lowe's. Ace Hardware it's owned by someone who lives in the community. It's a local business owner that supports the local VFW. It sponsors the town's freaking Little League team. So if you're a brand and you're at that local Ace Hardware and that consumer gets out of the car because they need a light bulb or a hammer, 
What do you think the consumer confidence is when they see that brand at that Ace Hardware? It's through the roof, right? There's just a, there's just almost like this a natural brand alignment because of that Ace Hardware. So right. it's like brands would have had, they wouldn't have been able to figure that out, but until you physically get out into the field and test these things, that's when you're able to like, wow, that really works. Let's scale this, let's grow this model out because it's really achieving what we need to. Not only are we going out and sending a positive message out into the community, as you know, all these companies, they're, they're driven on revenue. We're actually helping right. sales, right? Yeah, that brings up a question. So a lot of our listeners, maybe they haven't implemented the strategy of you know integrating the business or their brand into the community. So how do they do that? And then what are some of the benefits they could expect? You call Ray. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You're at a sixty. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's good. Now, in all seriousness, it's kind of like you know what we talked about before. What are certain locations or events that align with your brand, right? What type of consumer are you trying to engage, right? Let's be real, right? It could be like high class consumer. It could be a consumer that's older. Like maybe it's like somebody might want to reach me or somebody might want to reach my parents, right? You got to really think about your brand and then your audience. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now you, you understand your brand. Everyone pretty understand. Now we understand our audience or our consumer. Well, where does our consumer live and breathe when they're not home? Okay. So now we're getting really strategic here. We're thinking about the consumer trying to engage. What does that consumer do when they're not at home? What are their habits? What's their lifestyle? What sort of things do they like to do from an entertainment perspective? So now you've identified certain verticals or certain areas where you know your end consumer's at. That's where you then develop the partnership with potential retailer. It could be like a garden center, right? Like my wife, the real decision maker in this household, she's at the garden <laughs> center. You wouldn't think of that. Like, oh, let's, we need to talk to Ray's wife because she's the one really making the decision at Ray's house. We know, <laughs> we, know where, right. we, we know where Lauren's at right now. She's at the local garden center. I'm using that as an example, but you, yeah. you understand what I'm saying. You got no, absolutely. You got to think about your audience and who you're trying to engage and where is your target audience at. That's a really good place to start. And then you try to develop a partnership with that platform, that event, or that location. Yeah, it's really about finding, and, and I like to make sure people understand that when you're a business owner, you can't look at everyone as competition. Even if they're in the same medium, they could supplement or complement some of your services. So don't discount them, right? You always want to look at people who supplement or complement what you offer. You'll never know. Like even, like for instance, business coaching. They may do a completely different vertical or, or focus on a different market than I do. And they may be able to refer others who they don't quite deal with. So we got to think of it uh, in that way, too, when we're talking about integrating, right? Integrating in the communities, integrating in different marketplaces. Just don't close yourself off. Keep your mind open. And then you mentioned another thing, which I like. I love everything you say, it seems like, Ray. <laughs> so you talked about the, the crawl, walk, run strategy when it comes to, you know, getting these partnerships going. What does that even look like if I want to establish partnerships? Yeah, so me, you, everyone, you're going to make mistakes. And it's better to make some mistakes in the crawling phase. Maybe it's your marketing budget, right? So it's okay to test that. What keywords are working? How is your SEO? So for me, like, whether it's experiential marketing... Is it the right partners? 
So I like to figure things out in, in the crawling phase because you want to try to minimize any sort of risk or exposure. So mm -hmm. if, it's, if you're just dipping your toes in the water, you're able to kind of get a little bit of a sample size. I mentioned some of those retail partners. Maybe the garden center is really the play. Well, if you invested so much time and energy in hardware stores, you should have probably maybe crawled a little bit in the infancy stage. Figuring out what your model is, what the process is, the sales team, your marketing tactics, doing all of that when you're crawling to me is a lot easier. So I like the crawl, figure it out, test measure, test measure, what's working, what's not working, how do you tweak, how do you pivot, how do you adapt, right? Maybe you thought your target customer was this when you want to find out it's really that. Or maybe you thought this market was where you should be, but it was really that. Well, those are really good things to figure out when you're crawling. Now you're walking. Now it's like, okay, I'm investing more budget. I'm investing more resources. I'm allocating more time and energy in the walking phase. And maybe it's not 100%, but you're really starting to fine tune what the process is, right? So now you pivot right. a little more. Now you're in a full-blown sprint. And now you are rolling because you've identified a lot of different things. So when I say crawl, walk, run, that's what I mean. It, it really kind of minimizes any sort of risk or exposure. And if anyone here listening is really working with a limited budget, this protects that. And it makes right. sure that every dollar you're spending, it might not be correct, but at least you didn't overinvest. And at least you can figure that out before you've invested a lot of time, energy, and money on something that's not really working really well. You were able to identify that rather quickly in that crawl, walk, run phase. And that's why I love it, because I know us entrepreneurs and leaders, sometimes we just want to get it done, right? We're like, man, let me throw this money when that's not really the solution. So that's why I want people to sometimes think about crawling before you start doing the running, right? Because we needed that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we needed just, to hear that. <laughs> by spirit, that's who we are, right? We get aggressive, right. we get excited, we get passionate, we just want to go, go, go. And sometimes right. it's tough to kind of just like pause and really look at what you're doing. And honestly, it makes your potential partners, they think about a relationship, right? It's like you're courting a, a girl or a guy or whatever the case may be. There's usually phases to a relationship and you, you don't go from first date to like marriage, right? You kind of kind of have to ease into it. You go on a first date, get to know each other. Then there's another date. Then there's like an engagement. Then there's there's different. This is the same way. So if you're looking at it from a business perspective, it's the same as any sort of relationship. You got to kind of crawl, walk, run and build up to marriage. 100%, man. I love your analogies. <laughs> you got a lot of them. <laughs> so question, man, with these partnerships, I know some of us, if we land our first partnership, we might get a little excited, a little ahead of ourselves. We start running before we crawl. So I got to ask about the legal side. When we do establish these, should we formalize it in, with some documentation? I mean, I would always recommend yes to that. Some potential partners might look at any sort of a legal document as, ooh, I would, again, I'm not an attorney, but I would always recommend any sort of like, you know, having legal counsel look over contracts or agreements and stuff like that. But sometimes it's just, that's not the way it works, right? Sometimes, right. It, you know, and I don't want to use the word gentleman's agreement, but sometimes that's really it. It is a handshake. And sometimes you have to go off of that. But if you feel more comfortable putting together some sort of legal agreement, especially when you're dealing with larger partners, you know, I mentioned Major League Ballpark and MLB and some larger retail brand, they want a contract in place, 
right? So it protects everyone. It protects you, protects right. them, protects the brand. You want to make sure you're properly insured. You know, these are the things you want to ask a potential retailer. Like, hey, if I'm a brand, I want to be insured. You know, they're, they're, you want to make sure you have a certificate of insurance of making sure that, God forbid, if something does happen, clearly you are protected. Your LLC or whatever it is. It's protected, and obviously there's some sort of legal contract there. So if, if the relationship does blossom, at least there is some protection there. Right. Okay. No. Awesome. And then, are there different types of partnerships that you can you can seek? Oh my God! Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. There could be partnerships where it's like you're both helping each other from a marketing perspective. You know, maybe there's some real brand synergies there where it's like you are not competitors. You're in the same sort of space, but there's mm-hmm. synergies there. Right. And each industry is totally different as it relates home improvement. Maybe you do roofing, but you do windows and doors. Right. There could be some synergies there. Right. Maybe you are. We mentioned hospitality. Maybe there are some synergies there. So there could be marketing partners. There could be community partners. Maybe it's like you want to help grow your brand and you want to look in a more favorable light in the community and you give back to a church group or a charity, the American Red Cross. Right. There's crazy things going on right now with these tornadoes this past week. I'm not sure when this is going to air, but there could be a charity component from a partnership. We mentioned partners from doing these pop-up events. Maybe it's an event. Maybe it's a location. Maybe it's something that's a a pillar within the community. There are so many different partnerships out there if you really start to think about it. And for me, partnerships are a fantastic way to grow your business. They really are. So if you're a business owner and you have not really just taken a minute, a walk at night and really thought about strategic partnerships, you're doing yourself a disservice because partnerships are a fantastic way to grow your brand, tap into their audience, tap into their influence. Maybe you can grow a brand from a sales perspective. Maybe you can help them. So you and I could spend a whole pod just on strategic partnerships and the value of identifying and aligning yourself with different partners out there. Hey, that sounds like another episode right there, right? Hey, I'm all for it, man. Because I think that's very important, though, because it's like a lot of entrepreneurs and business leaders discount themselves. They're like, man, I don't, what do I have to offer this company? You know, you never know. If you look at it from that strategic perspective and realize it's not always about like, hey, I can distribute this for you. You may be able to help them on a whole nother vertical. You may be tied to a market that they wanted to enter that they didn't quite know how to do it yet. You know, and then for our small guys, us small businesses, you know, we can move a little more agile than those bigger brands can. So it's like you got to think about that and contact my guy, Ray, so he can help you establish these partnerships. So I, I love that, man. Thanks for sharing that. I think that was very important for for the listeners to hear because we discount ourselves so much based on the names of these organizations and and what we're doing. So we got to open our eyes and expand. And you hit another point. OPP. I'm always talking about this. Other people's platforms, man. We got to start leveraging that, people. That is the way you're going to grow your brand, expedite your success, become that household name you want to in your target market, man. So thank you. Thanks for bringing that one up, man. No, it's, it's, you never really know with a partnership. I mean, you really, and it could be something where you're not really monetizing. You're not helping each other from an economic perspective, but mm-hmm. it could just be like, you know, someone from a brand, that brand knows you, someone from their team is no longer there. And now you have an opening and you're able to make a connection. 
right? You're able to something as simple as that. We're like, man, you're providing a ton of value just by sourcing some talent. Yeah. One example of literally hundreds of examples where it's not just simple. It's like, hey, let me partner with them. They can help build my brand. They build my brand. There's a million of all these other things that are out there where just by creating partnerships, you can help each other grow. But that doesn't happen unless you're reaching out to people, trying to establish, I, I have an idea. I have a way so we could potentially work together. And it's like anything. A lot of times people might not reach out to you. They might disregard your email or your message on LinkedIn or your phone call. And that's okay. If you're consistent with it and you're constantly reaching out, I guarantee it. Someone reaches out to me, let's have a conversation. Same way you did with your podcast. Let's figure out a way. Let me get to understand you as a business owner because one day or another, our paths may cross. Absolutely. No, that's that's a powerful statement, man. And then when you talk about reaching out, how many, like, what's your golden number for how many times you'll go ahead and do some outreach for someone? So I'm pretty aggressive. I'm pretty aggressive. <laughs> I, I can see Stalker. <laughs> so I'm probably different than most people, but I'm reaching out a lot because and anyone out there that's in sales understand, right? It's like, it's almost like the early 1900s, right? It's sales one-on-one. It's tried, tested, and true. The more frequency, the more that I'm reaching out, the more emails and phone calls, there's a much higher probability that I'm going to see the success of that. So for me, it's, I don't want to say hundreds a day because it does ebb and flow based off of meetings and stuff like that. But right. whatever it is that you're doing, whoever's watching this, continue to do more. Make another 10 more phone calls. Send out another 10 more emails. Do a little more research on LinkedIn. So whatever it is that you think you're doing, which is great, just do a little more. Just get a little more aggressive with what you're doing because it can hurt and only good will come of reaching out, tapping somebody on the shoulder, introducing yourself, talking about a strategic partnership or an idea or the ways we can work together. But for me, it's there's a lot of outreach at a lot of touch points that I'm doing throughout the week. No, that's that's absolutely true. It's like, don't get discouraged. I mean, it's a part of business. You know, if you really want to design a life and business, you don't need a vacation from, you're going to have to do some of these things. And then you're going to get to a point where, you know, hopefully you have a team, one, and then two, people are going to come to you, right? People are going to be like, yeah, you're the premier. You're seen as the number one in your field or industry. So it's, it's just a thing. And you know, you have to be willing to do what it takes if you truly want it. And like you said, you know, if you love it, if you if you have that passion, like you said that earlier, like it's not work. Right. So we're going to be able to knock this out because we have people like you sharing these these nuggets, because I've always wanted to know myself, how the heck do these brands get these partnerships? So thank you for all that you shared on that. Three questions I ask everyone, every guest in our by design segment. The first question is. What has been the hardest part about designing a life and business you don't need a vacation from? I guess my, my first reaction to that without would be it, it's tough to turn it off. So for me, it's 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 constantly ongoing. I mean, I have so there's a lot of distraction. There's a lot of different things that I get to do in my life. But ultimately, I would say it's probably the most challenging thing. And, and we've all had a job, a nine to five. And, you know, typically when you leave work at five o'clock, you're kind of leaving that all behind. And with me, I would say the only challenging thing is it just, it never turns off. <laughs> and that's why it's a gift and a curse, right? It's, your, it's why you're so successful as well. It's like, man, you. <laughs> I can tell, I can tell you get up and you're like, man, let's get it. How many calls yeah. can I make? How many connections can I make today? I, I, I feel that, man, but I love yeah. it. 
The second one is, what is the best lesson you've learned from your entrepreneurial journey? So for me, and this might not be applicable to everyone um, kind of watching, but I made a really big mistake doing an event. And I looked at the financial reward, but I didn't really take into consideration the sort of risk and exposure if that did not turn out the way I wanted. And I was kind of blinded by the wow and the economics. And I didn't do a good enough job asking the what if this happens. And that's probably would be my advice to everyone that's watching this would be to when these deals do happen and you're presented with this amazing deal and there, there might not be really, you know, where an investment per se on your end for me, it mm -hmm. was, it's to really look at it from all angles. And I did, like, I did look at it like, oh, the what, but I didn't really look at it like, what if this thing just flops or what if this doesn't really work and really understand like, oh, well, that's not so bad. If this thing doesn't work. It's some time. It's an investment. I put a couple hours in. That's not a big deal. Well, what if this thing doesn't work? And it's like, it could cripple or destroy your business. So that would be my only advice of just, yeah, we all can get enamored by like the pot at the end of the rainbow or what if this were to happen, the positive. What if like the complete opposite happens? What would that mean to your family or to your business? And you need to really evaluate that. Yeah, that's an eye-opening what if right there. It's like, yeah, wow. Yeah, but don't let it stifle you, right? Just, just No, you just keep acknowledge it. it. You look conscious. at it. It's like, yeah, hey, like, absolutely. now that you thought, like, you know what? Man, if this thing doesn't go the way I think, I don't. I need to really reconsider it. I need to make sure, I yeah. I need to reconsider the deal, the way it's structured, the partnership. And that's where the art of negotiation comes in and says, hey, listen, this this doesn't work for me. I want to crawl. Or I want to, you know, and it just, you know, there are certain things you can do. Like, I'm passionate about this. I like this idea. But the way it's currently constructed, I don't like that. So think right. about it. Go next level of thinking and think about a way that could potentially minimize that risk or minimize that exposure where it's like, name it. I'm not in this full-blown partnership now. Maybe someone's reaching out to you like, hey, I want to be business partners with you. Well, what if that business partner, that relationship goes to hell? These are things that happen. So it's like maybe we go a little bit of a honeymoon period. So for me, yes. it's like, yeah, I don't want to freak your audience out because I love being optimistic. I love going for it. But there was one time where I went for something where I really would have asked that question more deeply, I think the outcome would have been a lot different if I did. Yeah, no, you're not freaking us out, man. That's is real. Like that's yeah. why we we created this platform because this isn't about fluff. This is about the real side of, of okay. running a business and being a leader. So thank you for okay. sharing that. And it's a question that we should always constantly think about. Like one, what's the contingency plan if we go through with this? Two, what happens if it doesn't go well? What's the cause? What does it cause grave issues? You know, we got to have those type of metrics and it should come into play with our decision making. So that's a key point. The third one, what are three tools or tips you would recommend when scaling your business? I think first you need to probably perfect. So whatever your product and service is, make sure it's perfected. There's no point of scaling anything if it's broken or if it's just not where you think it should be. So you, you probably want to, have it pretty close to what I like to call is perfection or really close to it. So that's the first thing, whatever your product or service. To me, the next step would be, what is your plan? And we hear all the time, people don't plan to fail. They really fail the plan. So whether it's a potential market 
or where you're looking to do, what is, uh, who are you trying to engage, with pricing, whatever the case may be, you probably want to make sure you have a solid plan of like your team, the strategy, whatever it is. So it's like got a great product or service. You Here's my plan. And then what is the process, right? So it's like, and what I like to say is like, think about the consumer. We're all consumers. When that consumer drops that lead into your website or into your social or what is the map? What is the journey for that consumer? Is it broken? Is the process broken, right? When your team goes out right. to have conversations or if it's just a digital play, when they click on that ad, what happens to that consumer journey? So for me, it's like the perfection part of the, of the product, the planning part of just making sure you have a solid plan, the process part. And then that would be my top three to answer your question. And then the other one, which you know I'm really big on, would be the partnership. So I'll give you the four P's. The, uh, <laughs> I was about to say, yeah. You, you just came up with the new one right there. there the four P's. <laughs> you heard um, it live first on this show, Designing Life and Business Podcast. <laughs> the perfection, the plan, and the process, to me, are really, really important before you want to scale whatever product or service you have. I think those would be, there's probably a million other answers out there, but that would, those would be my top three. Yeah, no, I agree with the, you know, that that process. And it's like when you think about, you know, perfection, it's like for that time, we know there's a minimal viable product and, you know, Apple, they they just release whatever and they iterate. It's, it's really iterative. Right. But you want to make sure it's repeatable. You want to make sure you get all the, you know, answer all the questions or all the objections you may face with the product or service and then get rid of those little kinks that you see. You know, why put a product out there if you can just make it better? before releasing it. So I agree. And then you can test, you know, beta test that that yeah. product service. You don't have to worry about making it, you know, everything right away, but just beta test it. Make sure you're letting people know, like, hey, I'm, I'm making this thing better as we go. So I need your input, whatever the case may be. But Ray, it's been a fantastic conversation. I appreciate all the jewels you dropped on on partnerships and, and really using that to scale your brand, you know, integrating your brand into the community, how that can benefit you. You dropped a, a ton of gems, the crawl, walk, run strategy, reminding us business owners that you don't have to go fast all the time, right? Slow it down. And sometimes that's the best move you can make. So I appreciate you, man. One last question. How can people connect with you? Yeah, and, and thank you for having me. This was great. So if anyone wants to get in touch with me again, I love partnerships, right? So anything we can do to potentially break bread, please feel free to go to the website. It's oldcitymedia.com. Again, that's oldcitymedia.com. I'm Ray. So Ray at oldcitymedia.com. All my contact information's on the site, all the socials. So if anyone wants to get a hold of me, please feel free to go to the website and maybe we can figure out how we can work together. Absolutely. Well, thanks again, Ray. It's been a pleasure. And I look forward to seeing the amazing things you have in store. I'll see you soon. Thanks for having me. Design Your Life and Business, the podcast for leaders, is brought to you by Bright Mind Consulting Group. To find out more about Bright Mind Consulting Group and how you can become the best leader possible, visit brightmindconsultinggroup.com. Make sure you search for Design Your Life and Business on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Bright Mind Consulting Group, we cannot thank you enough for listening.